excited to be here with y'all this morning. Let's go ahead and get ready to praise him and celebrate our testimony that is founded in Jesus Christ.
testimony that grace came in and gave you new life. Come on. Amen. Amen. Well, you can go ahead and be seated. What a joy it is to worship God with you today. I'm so honored to be able to celebrate with you today. And uh, my wife, Michelle, she is actually in Huntsville today, and uh, she'll be coming back soon, but just wants to send her greeting as well to you today. And man, I'm so proud and excited about what happened this week at camp with our young people. Man, God did amazing things with the almost, uh, it's like 75 kids, and uh, man, there was amazing results. Uh, kids rededicated their life to the Lord. Kids who had never received the baptism of the Holy Spirit were filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, they, they had literal miracles take place, physical healings that took place, miracles that took place there at camp. And I'm so thankful to God for what He's doing, not just in our teenagers' lives, but in the life of, of this, this whole community called Dothan First. And, but I want to say thank you to Pastors Will and Lindsay specifically, and to all the leaders that were there. Some of them took time off of work. Some of them made, uh, took time vacation days. Uh, they, they chose, listen, I want you to think about this. They chose to be with teenagers instead of going on vacation. Come on, that's worth at least a hand clap of appreciation. Man, thank you guys. We love you so much. And uh, I just want to take a moment and welcome all those who are here for the very first time. If it's your first time here, we're so delighted that you chose to worship God with us. And um, if you'll do us a, a simple favor, if you'll take out the connection card in the seat pocket in front of you and fill that out, let us know a little bit more about you. And then we'll have some of our leadership team at the two tabletops out in the front foyer area. If you just hand that to them, let them know it's your first time, they'll give you a gift for hanging out with us today. Just kind of make that exchange or if you're tech savvy or if you're joining with us online, you can do the same through the D1 text. You can just text D1 text to the number 84576 or you can go uh, use that QR code on the screen and get that electronically because we definitely want to know more about you. And of course, you can get connected to our life groups which we're going to be releasing here in just a, uh, about a month in the fall. And then also want to let you know that that's the way to tell us about the testimony of the goodness of God. If there's things that God's doing in your life, we want to know about it. It would be our joy to celebrate with you. If you, if you have a prayer request, a need of some kind, we want to know about that as well so we can pray. And then that's also the way you can sign up for our Grow Track. That's our pathway toward membership and ministry here at Dothan First. So if you want to get connected that way, we'd be honored to connect with you through Grow Track. Or if you want to be baptized or have a child dedicated, you can do that right there through that sign up. Well, listen, I want to take a moment and uh, officially, can you all help me welcome those either that are first time guests in the room or those that are first time online. Can you give it up for them right now? Welcome. Welcome. We're so glad you're here. So thankful that you're here. Well, listen, I know you just got your hands warmed up. This is a good time to clap your hands again because this is the opportunity that we get to give unto the Lord. This is the time in our service where we give to God. Come on. Aren't you thankful to God that he's been good to you? He's blessed you. And the five ways to give you can see are up on the screen. Uh, we're not going to pass the plate, but if you are uh, 
giving cash or a check and you want giving credit, you can use that envelope in the seat pocket in front of you and then just worship on the way out with our giving boxes or the giving kiosk out in the foyer. We're going to take a moment and pray over this time of giving. But before we do, I want to pray for my, my dear friends across the street at Covenant. I love that church and I deeply loved that pastor, Hayes McKay, who went home to be with the Lord after having battled for quite a while. And um, I just, words can't express my love and gratitude for his friendship through the past six years. And um, it breaks my heart to know that they're grieving today, but when one hurts, how many of you know we all hurt? And so I want you to be very sensitive and loving, especially toward those that you know that are friends across the street um, in tangible ways. I want you to be a blessing to our neighbors and friends and uh, family, really, their church family, and be a blessing to them. I want to take a moment and pray for them and for you as we prepare to give. Lord Jesus, I thank you that my dear friend who loved you is with you today. He's in your arms celebrating with you. I, I thank you, God, for the life of Hayes McKay and for his dear wife and his children. God, I speak blessing over them as they walk through this time of grief and loss. Lord, I pray you'd surround the whole Covenant Church family today and bless them today. Somehow, God, I pray you'd give the right words of comfort, but more than that, let your spirit be felt among them today. And God, I thank you for each and every person in this room. Maybe they're walking through a difficulty or a, a struggle today. They need your arms of love today. I pray that you do just that. Reach out, Lord, uh, to those watching us online. Maybe they're homesick today and they just need a fresh touch from you. God, I pray healing would be in the house. And, and it would extend to their house today. And Lord, as we give, thank you that we can't outgive you. You said you give seed to the sower and you're able to make all grace abound to us so that in all things, at all times, having all that we could ever need, we would abound in every good work. And I bless these, your people, in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. God bless you as you give. And... Um, we're going to go back into this how-to series, and I want to talk to you a little bit about how to break off this cycle of destructive patterns. And for many of us, we haven't even really truly identified how things have taken a grip on our lives. But I believe through this message, God's going to give you some biblical principles about how to get breakthrough in Jesus' name. Would you turn your attention toward the screens as we go into this message today?
Well, how many believe God gives us the proper patterns to follow in his word? Amen? Amen. Would you grab your copy of God's word and say this with me? Say, I am what God's word says I am. I can do what God's word said I can do. And I can become all that God's word said I can become. (laughs) So today, (laughs) I'll hear God's word, I'll receive God's word, and I'll obey God's word. Because I love his word. Now turn to your neighbor and say, neighbor, I was so used to hearing him say exact words that I just repeat whatever I was remembering. I'm just kidding. You don't have to say all that. Now turn to your neighbor and say, you look good today. Come on. Encourage them with something. Let them know they look good. So good. (laughs) Uh, One of my favorite all-time jokes and, and I've used it a couple of times, so forgive me, but I just, I like it so much as it relates to temptation. But there was a lady who just loved to go out and buy new clothes. She just loved it so much, and she kept running up their credit card debts, and, and they, her and her husband had had major discussions about it. Stop spending all this money. Stop buying all these clothes. You got clothes in your closet you don't even know exist. There's still tags on some of the clothes you haven't even worn yet, and you're still buying more clothes. And there was all this argument, and, and, and I'm, it's just so sad to say, but she went out, sure enough, was tempted again, went out and bought a new red dress brought it back home, put it in a place where she didn't think her husband would see it, but sure enough, her husband stumbled across it and said, what's this? You got a red dress? You got another another outfit? And there's a frustration. He said, why? Why did you do this? He said, but the devil tempted me to do it. He said, well, why didn't you use the scripture? This says, get thee behind me, Satan. She said, I did. And the devil said, I looked even better from that angle. I'm just saying I, I was tempted I was tempted. Oh, we're, we're all tempted in various ways, but I believe today God's got something powerful for you to help you break through that temptation. Have you ever asked the question to yourself, why do I do the things that I do? Why? I know it's wrong. I know I shouldn't do it. This is the fifth day in a row I've been at Krispy Kreme. Or whatever it is that's your temptation, right? Why do I do it? Some of you set up New Year's resolutions, right? You remember that? <laughs> remember way back in January? Friends, it's only been like halfway through the year and most of us have forgotten those New Year's resolutions, those goals that we set out. Nobody put a gun to your head to say you had to do this. You set up the goal yourself, and you've let yourself down. Why do we do it? <laughs> Why? And, and, and maybe the better question uh, to ask is, how do I have real change, lasting change, not just temporary short-term change, not just January 1st and 2nd and 3rd and 4th and 5th, and that's it? How do I find lasting change? Most people believe it, it comes from realizing our mistakes, but how many understand that's not enough? You, there's not a person in this room that hasn't realized their own mistake and yet they still fall same, back into the same pattern that they had before. So that's not enough. That's, that's not enough. That might be a temporary fix, but it doesn't bring a long-term solution, a permanent change. Real change begins when we discover the reasons why we need to change. 
It's the why behind the what. It's the reason that compels us to stay in a new pattern. Why? Friends, how many of you know it's, sometimes it's more important the why than the how? Right? There's a whole lot of how-to books. You could go right now to any of the local bookstores and you could find an entire how-to section. Right? Right? How, how to eat right. How to exercise. How to be a good parent. How to be a better spouse. And all these things are great. But you can know all the how and not know the why behind the how. And you still fall back into that old pattern. Right, because instead of diet and exercise or setting up a budget, we feel more comfortable in the old pattern of behavior. The main reason we don't change is because our excuses not to change become bigger than our reasons to change. Let me say that again. The main reason we don't change is because our excuses to not change become bigger than the reasons to change. Let me give you a couple of reasons why people often choose to change. The first three are so-so. They're okay reasons, but they're usually not creating long-term results. The first one is fear. Sometimes we change because of fear. We're afraid of losing something. We're afraid of, you know, losing our house because we haven't made payments in a while because we've backlogged. We've, we've, we're on the verge of bankruptcy because of our spending habits or, or we're about to lose our, our spouse because of our stupid decisions or the way we treat them or, or it may just be because uh, 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 the, you went to the, maybe, I don't know, you, you, you overspent your emotional bank account. Anybody know what I'm talking about? <laughs> right? And you're ready to give up. You have this fear that something has gone too far and you've got to get hold to it. But that's not as a great motivator to change because once the fear and the emotion of the moment is over, you go right back to what's comfortable. The second reason we change often is because we're trying to reach a goal. And I mentioned it earlier, New Year's resolutions, but some of you set up goals, uh, you know, maybe every six months or whatever it is. Maybe it's time for you to set up a new goal, but you've got something in mind that you're going after, and this is, this is your goal. Well, how many understand, even some of the greatest athletes who have attained the pinnacle of success, they, they get their championship ring or whatever it is and they fall into deep depression and have suicidal ideation. Why? How is it possible you could reach the pinnacle of success and then fall so far? And the reason is simple. It's because they, they thought that reaching that goal would give them the fulfillment and they go, is this all there is? I thought I'd feel fulfilled. The third reason that we change, among the many that I could talk about, is we're just disgusted with our current situation. <laughs> we have just, we are sick and tired of going into our closet and trying on five different outfits and none of them fit. <laughs> and you're like, I have had enough. I am disgusted with this. I'm going to make a change. Or maybe for some of you, it's not your own disgust. It's that the doctor has said, look, if you don't change this thing, you're going down, right? Sometimes it takes somebody else to tell us. I'm tired of not having money in our bank account, this credit card debt, it's gotta stop. I'm disgusted with this situation. You're irritated with your job or 
your life decisions and you're just disgusted and you've had enough. And that's great. It's usually a decent motivator, but it doesn't usually reap long-term solution. But no matter what your issue today, I want you to know I've got great news for you. I want to read to you Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. Turn to Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. It'll be on the screen. It'll be in your notes. If you've got the, uh, your smartphone, you can open up the YouVersion app of the Bible and search under events, and it'll say Dothan first. And if you click there, you'll have all the notes for today, and you can follow along or you can follow up over the next few days. But no matter what your issue is, I've got great news for you. I, like Paul, believe in you. And I want to read this to you in the message. It says this, There has never been the slightest doubt in my mind that the God who started this great work in you would keep at it and bring it to a flourishing finish on the day that Jesus Christ appears. Until his, the very day that he appears, until he returns, I'm telling you, I've got faith in you. I believe in you. I believe in what God's called you to, and I believe that the last of these four that I've mentioned, uh, reasons why we change, this one is the one that'll keep you, and it's this. If you want long-term change, you have to change because you truly want God's best. You want to be who God's called you to be. You want to fulfill the destiny that's been laid out before you were even born. You have to focus in on God's plan for your life. The maker, the creator. How many understand? If the creator made you, he might have a particular use for his creation. I talk about it often, but your fingertips have these little grooves that God chose to carve into your fingertips that prove that you're different from any other human being that will ever live or has ever lived. And that is the defining mark on your life that God wants you to do something that's different from any other person on planet Earth. What is his assignment for your life? That's a compelling reason. So how do we get there? I'm going to read to you an Old Testament passage that may not make sense at first, but I believe as we uncover these things, it's going to help you. Turn to the Old Testament, 1 Chronicles chapter 28, verse 9. Here's how we get there. 1 Chronicles 28, verse 9. And Solomon, let's just stop and say this. Solomon had a crazy family. I'm talking about a crazy, messed up, Jerry Springer style family, okay? I was going to say, how many have crazy family? And then I realized if I have you raise your hand, they might be sitting right next to you. The person that makes your family crazy is sitting on the same row as you. So let's just chill for a minute. Let's not do that. And Solomon, my son. So he's passing on this generational thought. Learn to know the God of your ancestors distantly. Like, you know, from afar off. Is that what he says? No. He says, learn to know the God of your ancestors intimately, connectedly, relationally. Worship and serve him with your whole heart. Everybody say your whole heart. <laughs> and a willing mind. Everybody say a willing mind. For the Lord sees every heart and knows every plan and thought. If you seek him, you'll find him. 
But if you forsake him, he'll reject you forever. When it comes to, 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 to tearing down strongholds in your life, you need to understand that every one of us has destructive patterns that we've got to break free from. We all have baggage. We all have it. We all carry it. Why? It's called dysfunction. We all have a propensity towards sin because we were all raised in dysfunction. And look, I'm not trying to point fingers back at previous generations, but how many understand there's no such thing as perfect parents? It's true. There's dysfunction in every family, and if there's family dysfunction, it's going to be passed down because it's been modeled for us. And when we ignore God's laws and do what we want, we pay a price for it. We've got this broken spiritual DNA, and it's because of our willful decisions so if we've made a willful decision to turn against God, now we've got to make some, and, and broken his laws, we've got to make a willful decision, a choice to turn back, hand over that baggage to God and say, God, I'm going to trust you with my baggage, my dysfunction, my issues. I need your help. A study was done comparing two different men, and you may have heard these, this story or statistic, but bear with me as I describe to you these two different people that lived in the 1700s, Willie Smith and Jonathan Edwards. You may have heard of Jonathan Edwards, a theologian and a minister with moral values and integrity. Another guy by the name of Willie Smith, many of you would not know who he was, but he had low values. He, had, he was an immoral man with very little character, and at that time of the... Uh, after this study, Smith had 1,026 descendants. Of those descendants, 300 were convicts, 27 were murderers, 190 were prostitutes, 500 were drug and alcohol abusers. That's the legacy of one man, one lineage, one legacy. Edwards, on the other hand, left 929 descendants. Of those, 430 were ministers, 314 were war veterans, 75 were authors, 99 were college presidents or college professors, seven were congressmen, three were governors, and one was the vice president of the United States. That's the legacy of just one man. And the difference between someone who's living a life for God and someone who's living a life for themselves. Let me read to you the following of what it said about these two men. It's doubtful that Edwards ever dreamed his children's children's children would have had the impact on American culture that they had. His desire was live, living in a way that was right and honoring God. It's equally doubtful that Willie Smith even gave a thought to the legacy he was leaving behind. But the choices, listen, that each man made affected not just their own lives, but the generations to come. It's called generational blessings and generational curses. It's the same thing that my dad talked about uh, on Father's Day just a few weeks ago. The generational blessings that we can hand down to those beyond us, the choices that we make and the true character of our lives determine our legacy. Friends, what kind of heritage and legacy are you passing down? Are you going to hand down the very same baggage that was handed to you by generations before you, by parents or grandparents or great-grandparents? 
If your life was studied by historians years from now, what would they say about you and your descendants? Would you be considered a blessing to the generations that come behind you? Friends, when these spiritual laws, God's spiritual laws are broken, we, we pay a price for generations to come. And when we obey God's laws, listen, we live in the blessing for generations to come. Let me prove that to you. Exodus chapter 20, this is where the Ten Commandments are laid out. I want to go over a few of them, just two. Exodus chapter 20, starting at verse 3. And just to to give you an an idea of what had just transpired, many of you remember that the Israelites were, these Hebrew children were in slavery and bondage for 400 years in Egypt, and now they've just been brought from all of this slavery from past generations, and they broke through. Uh, You remember all of the story of the Exodus and what God did by his mighty hand. And the the Bible says that the, the waters parted. You remember they walked across on dry ground. The Egyptian army was drowned in that same water that came back over them. I mean, think about this amazing and miraculous result. God then takes the time to feed them by giving them manna from heaven every morning. They don't have to hunt or kill their food. They were provided for every single day. And the Bible says, and yet, these Hebrew children complained and said they wanted to go back to slavery. You'd think, how is this possible? There's no possible way that that could be. How is it possible that someone could go come out of slavery with God's mighty, miraculous hand, and yet then later desire to be enslaved all over again. And as soon as you ask that kind of question, you have to look at your own life and realize that many of us in this room do the same thing because the old pattern is still comfortable. Here it is in Exodus chapter 20. Rule number one, right? Commandment number one. You must not have any other God but me, Bible says. Number two, you must not make, and this one's like this, the first one, you must not make for yourself an idol of any kind. Can you say that with me? An idol of any kind. Let's say that together. An idol of any kind. Put the emphasis on any. An idol of any kind or an image of anything in heaven or on earth or in the sea. You must not bow down to them or worship them. Worship, worship. What does that mean? Worthship. Giving it value, esteeming it above God himself. It's the most dangerous and overlooked type of sin. It's a type of sin that we rarely talk about, but it's the type of sin, the sin of idolatry that's affecting our nation in ways you couldn't imagine. There's few sins in the Bible where God gives the specific consequence if you do not follow or obey that command or that law, but this one, he gives very specific consequences to the sin of idolatry. Exodus chapter 20, look at verse 5. Here's what it says, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God who will not tolerate your affection for any other gods. I lay the sins of the parents upon their children. 
Let me read that again. I lay the sins of the parents upon their children. The entire family is affected, even children in the third and fourth generations of those who reject me. But I lavish unfailing love for a thousand, a thousand generations on those who love me and obey my commands. How many of you feel just a slight bit of uncomfortability, even though this is the, this is the Ten Commandments, how many feel a slight bit of uncomfortability when you read a passage like that and you go, wait, 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 something's wrong there. I must have read something wrong there. There's no way a just, loving, amazing, awesome, powerful God who says he loves me and has a plan and a destiny for my life and mapped me out with the grooves on my fingertips to prove how much he cares about me. There's no way a loving God would take my sin and put it on innocent kids. But listen, it's not that God is saying I'm so angry that I'm going to pour out wrath on the innocent. What he's saying, think about this. Because I had to come to grips with this and realize this too. It's not God who punishes the children. Who's the one that actually punishes the children? Who is the one that punishes children or chooses not to punish children when they do things wrong? Who is it? It's the parents who are modeling behavior and they're passing it down generationally. God doesn't teach anybody to sin, but we do. Who teaches kids to sin? They're, right? Parents, society, the things that parents allow society to, to do. And what's our society uplifting and what is our society propping up? all kinds of evil. And we as parents then tolerate it and sometimes even participate in it and we model that for our children saying this is okay. This is the way, walk in it. And so we become then, we become then like a model disregarding God's law. Now, if you tell a child to not run out in the street, they might not like that. They may stomp their feet, say, I want to go out in the street. I want to go out in the street. But how many understand? They may not understand the reasons why to not go out in the street, but we as parents know the reasons why they shouldn't go out running out in the street. Why? Because there's cars that are coming. It's dangerous. They could get killed. And God knows when he set up these laws, he knows how humankind is supposed to exist and he knows our propensity to sin and he knows our temptation, even as adults, to run out into the perpetual street, whatever that might be. And he puts these laws into place not to restrict us, but to protect us. And when that loving God our loving Heavenly Father puts these restrictions out there. We stomp our feet as a society or as parents and we say, I want what I want more than I want what you want. And we pass that on to our kids, that rebellious spirit. Children are like video cameras with legs. <laughs> They're sponges, man. They soak it all up. They watch it, they hear it. How many of you, no, I'm not gonna have you raise your hands because you might feel a little guilty. Don't raise your hand on this, but how many of you have had your child repeat something that you did not know that they, that they heard you say 
and you were so embarrassed because they said it in front of others, and you're like, oh, oh, dear Lord. And then you try to justify it. You're like, I don't know. Billy must have learned that from the kid at school. I'm telling you, because he didn't learn it from me. I'll never forget when Cameron was super little. She's probably only two, maybe three at the time. And, <laughs> and, and Griffin, our son, who was, you know, three and a half years or so older than her, would just kind of pick at her, you know, like brothers do sometimes, especially when they're young. And she would walk in crying and say, Griffin, aggravator me! As a, as a two and three-year-old, Griffin, aggravator, me. You want to know where she got that? Me. Because I would say, when she would come in crying before that, I would say, Griffin, you stop aggravating your sister. And so she picked it up. Griffin, aggravator, me. How many have somebody at work that aggravator you? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Where do our kids pick it up? It's from us. Children absorb our behavior. This is how iniquity gets passed on from one generation to the next. You say, okay, that's fine. I I get that now, but what about idolatry? Where does that fit in? I, I don't have any statues or wooden images in my house. Listen, an idol is whatever we habitually seek in our time of need instead of seeking God. Let me say that again. An idol is whatever we habitually seek in our time of need instead of seeking God. Friends, that might be alcohol, right? We hit the bar instead of hitting our knees in prayer. Well, we eventually hit our knees, but it's over a toilet, you know, I guess, eventually. (laughs) Right? It could be drugs. It could be social media. Turning to social media before we turn to God. Do you know there's something now termed uh, nomophobia? It's literally you, we're, we're, we have to have our phones with us at all times. And if we lose our phone or if we misplace the phone, we literally freak out. Literally freak out. Why? Because it's it's us trying to fill a void instead of seeking God. We turn to comfort instead of the comforter. For some of us, that could be money. Now, I know that materialism doesn't, you know, happen here in Dothan. In other places, people like money, but not not here. We don't run after chase money. We don't don't have any love of money. Friends, let me ask you something. Can God trust you with money? No, 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 let me ask you the honest question. I want you to answer this in your own mind, in your own heart. Can God trust you with money? Here's a great conversation that I've had. Well, pastor, I'm telling you, if I had millions and millions of dollars, I promise I would be generous. I would be a giver. Listen, you little tightwad, you don't even give when you've got the money you got. How can you ask God to give you more when he can't trust you with what he gave you already? You have more than the majority of the entire world Listen, think about this. You have more money, more wealth, more resource than most every other human being that's ever lived on planet Earth. You're just comparing yourself to the 1% and saying, I don't have enough. But God's given you plenty of resource. 
See, a generous heart has nothing to do with the amount. That's why God created the tithe, because it's 10%. It's the same for the millionaire as it is for the thousandaire. Are you following this? It's, it's a percentage. It's not about, my dad used to teach me, it's not about equal giving, it's about equal sacrifice. We learn to trust God with our money. Listen, this is why lottery winners go broke. Look at all the percentages. Look it up. You want to know why lottery winners go broke? It's because when you don't toil to earn it, you're likely to mismanagement and eventually lose it. It's true. That's why I would take the time and carefully lay out your will. You older folks and some of you younger folks, I I was careful when I laid out my will. I'm just being honest. Look, I'm just being honest. Why? Because what I toiled to save, I don't want my kids spending on Xbox. I'm just saying. Hey, am I being for real or what? That's why we've, we've chosen to give a portion of our will to the church. Why? Because it's been a proven source <laughs> to re- release blessing generationally and spiritually. Listen, I, I'm just, I'm trying to help you <laughs> to break off patterns, cycles of behavior. For some of you, it might not be money, it might be food. Oh, it got so quiet in here when I mentioned that. Trying to help you. Okay, I'll just take it on myself, acting like you guys don't ever have any issues. Look, I don't think I've ever found a candy I didn't like, right? Look, I could eat Skittles, and I could eat M&Ms like crack cocaine. Man, I could eat it till I get sick and throw up Technicolor. I'm just saying, I, there's not a candy I don't like, but you know what? I'm choosing, and I'm just going to make this statement. I'm going to choose to stop Skittles right here, right now, in front of all of you. D- don't, don't, don't buy me any more Skittles. P- I, don't, don't, l- don't feed the addict in me, okay? Don't, don't do it. And if you see me at the grocery store, and I'm jonesing <laughs> and <laughs> shaking, toward, getting that hand toward the Skittles, you just slap my hand and let me know. Hey, you said. <laughs> now, I'm not going to give up the M&Ms and all the others. I'm just saying that's... <laughs> Don't make me give it up all at once, cold turkey. But some of you, it's food, and, and it's, it's killing you. It's destroying your life because food is an addiction. It's got its hold on you. Am I anti-food? Am I anti-money? No. I'm not anti these things. I'm just saying, does, do these things have a hold, an unnecessary hold? Have they become an idol in your life? You know, I looked up on a recovery website the number one addiction in the United States of America, and this is what this, the recovery websites said. Not me, recovery website. Don't blame me, recovery websites. Number one addiction that caused, here's the three prop, main problems that it causes, is anxiety, insomnia, and irritability. You know what it was? Coffee. And I can talk as much as I want about it because my wife's not here right now to defend. Look, man, have you ever gone to the airport? Do you know that the longest line in the airport is not TSA? It is Starbucks. I'm just saying. I got to have my three or four cups of coffee before I can even talk to anybody. You mean you can't be kind to anybody unless you have your fix? Find you a vein. (laughs) 
you will cocoa bean, that, 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 that latte devil inside. <laughs> well, I'm just saying, look, I, I get to joke with all the coffee bean junkies because I don't like coffee, but I'm not anti-coffee, guys. I'm just saying, have you allowed things to get a hold that shouldn't be there? That's, that's really what I'm saying. Whatever your issue is that you might be struggling with, there's a way to break the cycle, to make the Lord over, listen, the Lord Jesus Christ, the God of every area of your life. How many of you know if he's Lord of all, then he's truly Lord. He's truly Lord when he's Lord of all. Put nothing above me, he says. Make him number one, first priority. All right, here's four ways to break the cycle of destructive behaviors. I'm going to quickly give these to you. First of all is change your perception. Change your perceptions. This is how you interpret your circumstances. Uh, let me give you one that, that's probably common to all of us is worry. First Peter chapter 5, verse 7. Give all your worries and cares to God. Let's, let, me, let me have you say the word give. Give. So everybody say give. Give. That means it's a choice. It's a choice. Give all your worries and cares to God, for He cares about you. The reason that we think we need to worry is because we, we, we presume God doesn't care enough, therefore we've got to care too much. And it causes worry. Worry can be a form of idolatry because it's a trust issue. It's a control issue. The second one is this, change your thinking patterns. You've got to have a mindset adjustment. Romans chapter 12 says it like this in verse 2. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God. Everybody say, let God. Again, this is a choice. This is a choice we make. Let God transform you into a new person by changing your behaviors. Is that what it says? By changing all your bad behaviors. No. It starts with transformational thinking. He says to transform your mind, the way you think. Then you'll learn to know what God's will is for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. This is personal. For some of us, we don't have any problems or issues with food, right? But you have issues with money or you have issues with your temper. Whatever it might be, all of us has a the sin that easily entangles us. And that's what we're trying to tackle here. It's very personal to you. Every one of us has a the sin that we've got to get a hold of. Let me give you one quick example. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 26 and 27. This is an anger one, the temper one. Don't sin by letting. Everybody say letting. Again, here it is. We have a choice. By letting anger control you, don't let the sun go down while you're still angry for anger gives a foothold to the devil. Listen, anger reveals your frustration to others. Prayer releases your concerns to God. Think about this. For some of you in this room, your temper, right, your, the way you're releasing your mouth, <laughs> the words of your mind that go from your heart and releasing it to others is destroying your relationships. Now, what's the difference between anger, voiced anger, right, which is a temper, and prayer? Well, there's not really that much difference. 
I mean, you can say this. I'll give you a couple choices. You could say, God, I am struggling with my boss. I am so frustrated with my boss. God, I don't know what to do with my boss. Or you can let your temper and your anger get a hold of you, look your boss in the face and say, I've got a problem with you. I don't like you, and I'm sick of you. And you can lose your job over it. Or you can talk to God about it. It's a release one way or another. One of them's going to get you closer to God. The other one's going to get you fired. You can say, God, I don't know what to do with my spouse. God, I am struggling with my spouse, the decisions they're making. God, I am so sick of my spouse. And you can be honest with God. And you know what? God already knows. But you can be honest with God. It's a cathartic response. It's a release valve that you get to have with the the creator of the universe. And he can give you peace and assurance Or you can look at your spouse and go, I am so sick of you. I am sick of your attitude. And let's just see what happens after that. Think about it. We have a choice. You can release your anger on them or you can reveal your heart to God. It's a choice. Number three, you need to change your prayer life. Change your prayer life. We don't pray out of fear. We pray in faith. Let me say that again. We don't pray out of fear. We pray in faith. Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. I'm going to read it from the message. Don't fret or worry. Instead of worrying, pray. Let petitions and praises shape your worries into prayers. Letting God know your concerns. How many know you can be honest with God? He says, before you know it, a sense of God's wholeness. Other translations say a sense of God's peace or his presence everything coming together for good will come and listen, settle you down. How many of you know some of us, especially watching the news and all the things that are happening in this world, we need somebody to settle us down and only God can do it. He'll come and settle you down. It's wonderful what happens when Christ displaces worry at the center of your life. Talking to God, praying to God, changing all those prayers from God I'm so nervous and God I'm so worried and God you got to change this because I'm so afraid to God I trust you God I believe you God I know you have my best interests at heart God I know you're going to help me find a way out God I know that you are the God that sees and the God that provides you see the difference God answers faith the fourth thing is change your point of view This is seeing things from God's perspective. How many of you know John 8, 36 says, if the sun sets you free, you are truly free. God wants you to live in freedom and he sees you already free, not oppressed. You can be free. Stop telling yourself you can't get a hold of this or you'll never get out. Can I just tell you the most amazing situation that happened in our family lines? Many of you know the story. Some of you do. Maybe some of you don't. But my dad has shared the story on a number of occasions where his parents were not serving the Lord when he was growing up. But my dad made a willful decision to believe in God, to trust God, to put his faith in God. And it was like an atomic bomb happened, exploded in three dimensions. It changed my dad's life as a young boy and as a young man. It eventually, listen, changed the the person that he was going to marry. 
that in turn raised his children in a godly environment that changed me, and not just me, but my kids, his grandkids, and even to his great-grandkids. Even when you don't grow up in the environment that's so perfect and godly, you can still make the change. You can put a generational blessing where the enemy meant for a generational curse. You can walk in that. And you know what's amazing? The third dimension was not just him and then his family line beyond him but it changed his own parents because eventually his parents came to know Jesus Christ and confessed them as Lord and Savior. The only way to break the cycle is to make Jesus Christ the Lord of every area. Friends, we gotta start with transformation in our mind to know and believe that God has the better plan and it'll affect not just you, but generations to come. But we've gotta change our viewpoint if we're gonna break this pattern. We've got to redefine pleasure. That's really what the Bible talks about when he says having the mind of Christ. If you've got a food addiction, you've got to have a transformation in your mind that says, I'm going to change the way I feel about about broccoli and spinach. Come on, the comfort that fills the void. You now say, this is going to give me life and vitality. You got to get emotional about it, right? Listen, breaking free from all idols and letting Christ be Lord of every area, the only way to truly be free is when we trust the God who's with us. Here's the proof, Acts chapter 10, verse 38. If the worship team would come as we prepare to close. This is how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power and how he went around doing good and healing all those that were under the power of the devil. This is how he did it. You ready? Because God was what? With him. God. Emmanuel. God with us. Friends, he's here. Holy Spirit is here to change you, to transform you, to heal you, to break the chains of addiction off of you. When I was, uh, it was probably now been maybe seven years ago, we had, um, it was right around, I think it was, man, seemed like the, the end of a year, maybe it was Thanksgiving, and many of you know how much I love fire, right? You, y'all know I'm a pyromaniac, I've got issues, I've got problems, right? You know, as a child, I lit our parents, my parents' carpet on fire, Many of you know that I lit my parents' curtains on fire later. This was a second occasion, that's right. I almost lit the house on fire while, while I was taking apart all of those fireworks. I, I figured if one firework makes a loud bang, I wonder what it would be like if I took all the powder out of all of those, right? Uh, out of the, uh, all the fireworks that I could find, if I could just cut them open. This is really bad, by the way, for you teenagers in the room that are thinking this might be a good decision. And I wonder if I just took that and, and put gasoline like Bugs Bunny did, you know, all the way back and then lit the gasoline and, and it went all the way up to that pile of stuff. What it would do, it'd have to be cool. But I I didn't want anybody to see what I was doing, so I did it in the garage, which makes sense. 
If that wasn't enough, many of you know that I wasn't happy enough with lighting our own house on fire. I lit the deacon's house on fire as well. His carpeting, thank God no one was hurt. And I'm sorry. How many just want to take a moment and thank God that your kids and grandkids are not like me? How many just thank God right now? (laughs) You don't have to clap about it. Come on now. Let's not get too spiritual. That hurts my feelings a little bit. Look how good I turned out. Um, But the apple doesn't fall too far from the tree because my kids like like to light candles. And they lit a number of candles in the house and um, they, they thought that they had blown out all the candles, but what they didn't see was there was this little blue flame. Have you ever had one of those candles that's got just the wick is so small, it's just a little blue flame and you don't even realize that it's still lit. Well, that thing remained lit all, all day long. And we didn't notice it, we didn't see it, but the little blue flame burned that candle down where the candle split in half. Wax was everywhere. And it was my, actually my sister-in-law who looked at it and said, oh, look look over there, look at, none of us noticed it. Thank God for a second pair of eyes. This is called, listen, the Holy Spirit is trying to get a hold of that little blue flame, that destructive little blue flame inside of you called temptation that's trying to destroy your life and generations behind you. He's trying to help you get a hold of that little blue flame. And can I just tell you, you can ask uh, great athletes and politicians and even pastors who have fallen into some moral failure. They thought they had control of the little blue flame and it destroyed their lives. Thank God for a second pair of eyes that caught that candle. And friends, God gave us, first of all, his grace that shows up in our problem and he says I love you with an everlasting love and I'm not listen I love you too much to let you keep doing what you're doing to let you keep living how you're living I love you too much to let you pass that down to the third and the fourth generation I love you too much to let you do it somebody's got to break the pattern somebody's got to say enough is enough somebody's got to stop it And sometimes, listen, it comes from accountability. God not only gives us his grace and his mercy, but he also gives us each other. Friends in the body of Christ, friends that are accountable, that we're accountable to, our ability. Accountability is nothing more than giving an account of where we are and what we do. Are you honest with others? The Bible says that if you confess your sin, the Bible says he's faithful and just to forgive us. But the Bible also says to confess to one another that we might be healed. Why? Because if I tell you I'm gonna quit Skittles, I just said it in front of everybody and even people watching online. The dumbest thing I've ever done. Why? See, now that I said it publicly, all of you are going to be the ones that keep me accountable. Do you see? That's the blessing of a second pair of eyes that are helping to keep watch over our soul. The Holy Spirit in His grace is calling some things out. The question is, what are we going to do with it? Friends, I so want you to be free. 
I don't want you to be bound up. I want you to be free. And God is here. His Holy Spirit is here to set you free. He who the Son is set free is going to be free indeed. But it starts with our willful decision to walk toward Christ. If you want to break the destructive pattern, I'm going to give you four quick ways to do it. Here it is. Understand God's love. He loves you with an unconditional love. You've got to know that you know that you know that God's not against you. He is for you. He loves you with an everlasting love, and he wants to pour out generational blessings. The second thing is to answer God's wake-up calls. How many know God's been calling on you? over and over to take care of this thing, to deal with this thing. He's teaching you how to trust him in crisis. The third thing is to repent to God for wrongdoing. God is faithful and just to forgive you if you repent. And fourth, you gotta pray to God to break those strongholds of sin off your life, confessing them and renouncing them and saying, God, I give you my life. I give you every part of me. From this day forward, I will will submit to the God-given authority. I'm not going to break your laws intentionally. Then you begin to thank God as you receive his forgiveness and his guidance. And friends, if you need to pay some restitution to, to others, do it. Ask for forgiveness. Be honest and let them help you remain accountable. Let's bow our heads together for a moment. Lord, as we ponder all that you've asked of us, we thank you for your wonderful presence. We thank you for your amazing people. And Lord, I ask that God, especially for those whose lives have been in chains, Lord, I pray you break every chain and set captives free in this house and allow us to experience your new life. Lord, this doesn't just have to do with us. This has to do with generations behind us. you're faithful I want you to just while your heads are bowed and eyes are closed you can ask yourself or online ask yourself these questions in what area of my life do I need a breakthrough what area of my life have I've needed to change am I who God wants me to be if God wants me to live a victorious life what does that look like well first of all it begins with salvation You need Jesus to come into your life and change you from the inside out. Secondly, you need a breakthrough. You need to break strongholds so you can be set free, truly free. And if you fit in either one of those categories, I've got great news for you. You're in the right place. You're in God's house, the house of the Lord. And he wants to transform you from the inside out. If that's you, while heads are bowed and eyes are closed, listen, I'm not here to embarrass you. It's not my heart to judge you. I'm not going to ask you to come up here and tell me every sin you've committed. I want you to simply make a willful decision to say yes to God. Yes to his love. Yes to his authority. Yes to his purpose for your life. If that's you, while heads are bowed and eyes are closed, I simply want you to do this. Acknowledging before God, you need his help. You say, Mark, I need to be included in this prayer right now. If that's you, lift up your hand. Just raise your hand all over this place. Yes, God bless you. God bless you. Yes. In the balcony, on the main floor. Yes. God bless you. God bless you. Yes. Yeah. God bless you. Anybody else? From the front to the back here, whether you're young or old, 
If it's a first time decision to follow Christ, or maybe it's just as a believer, you just know you need to turn some more things over to him and into his control. If that's you, lift it up right now. That's you. God bless you. Yeah. Anybody else? God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. You can put your hands down. I want to invite you into this prayer those watching online and those here in the building, I want you to simply acknowledge your need for him through prayer. And I want you to repeat this prayer out loud after me. Can you say this with me? Say, Lord Jesus. Come on, everybody in the room. Say, Lord Jesus, forgive me for my sins. I repent for all I've done wrong. I believe that you died and rose again for me. I make you Lord and Savior of my life. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for changing me. I choose to trust you with every area of my life. Now fill me with your Holy Spirit that I can have the power to live a godly life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Can you just put your hands together and celebrate those who made a decision? Come on. We lift you up and encourage you. We celebrate that today. Listen, friend, we want to help you in your journey of faith. And if you have made that willful decision and you prayed that prayer, I'm going to encourage you to take out your smartphone and text the word D1WALK to the number 84576 letting us know you made that decision. We're going to send you, listen, a free copy of this downloadable book, One to One, and it's going to help you in your journey of faith. We're all on a journey, friends. We're walking this thing, this faith walk, one step at a time. We all need help. We all need prayer and encouragement. That's what we're here to do. That's what we want to do to support you in the journey of faith. Or maybe you've already made a decision for Christ, but you've taken a next step, and you say, Mark, I want to be water baptized. Listen, you can do that by texting D1 texts to the number 84576 or just fill out that connection card and let us know or give the church a call. Let us know. Maybe you got prayer requests. Let us know. We want to help you. We want to pray for you. We want to encourage you in your journey of faith. And I'll tell you, we've got a group of people here that absolutely love you and pray for you often. Our leadership team specifically our elders and prayer partners. I'm going to invite our prayer partners and elders. If you make your way toward our various stations of prayer today, they're going to be by this exit sign back here, the exit sign over here, and up in the balcony. If you need prayer for anything, as we go back into a time of of worship and singing, we're going to have everybody stand up, right? And you can receive that prayer. Matter of fact, as I said, if you're in the balcony, you don't even have to leave the balcony. You can just come over here and receive prayer right over here. But whatever your need is, can I just tell you, God is big enough. God is strong enough. God is faithful enough that he can transform you. Would you stand with us? Let's worship the King of Kings together. And I want you to make this your prayer, that as you begin to worship God in song, that it becomes the overflow of your heart and it becomes a natural form of prayer where you say, God, I recommit my life to you in every way, in every facet. Let Holy Spirit deal with your heart right now. Let's worship the King together.
Bye. 
center intentionally in our heart and our life have your way in us and God as we leave this place of worship and go into our mission field God let us be a light that shines brightly in the midst of darkness God I pray that as we give our life to you wholeheartedly as we seek you, we would find you. And then as we find you, we would release you to those in need. God, we thank you for your goodness today. And Lord, I pray that we would take to heart your word. And it would change us from the inside out. It would transform us by renewing our minds. In Jesus' name. I'm going to release our leaders at this time to greet you for those that are first-time guests. We'd be so honored to connect with you after this service. If you just take the card and fill it out, connect card, we'll be glad to give you a gift. Just hand it to us. Let us know it's your first time. But I want to release you with a blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance on you and bring you peace. And may the Lord our God write his name on your heart and declare you're my child. No one can take you from my hand. May you know the love of your Savior that came and died for you and rescued you, that you might have eternal life. And may you live a life that's free 
I release you to walk in freedom. Freedom from bondage or chains that would hold you back from running the race. And I bless you to be a blessing to your family, to your spouse, to your kids, to your grandkids, to your co-workers, to your neighbors, to those in this city and those in this world. I bless you to be a blessing. In Jesus' precious and holy name, we pray it all. Amen. 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 Hey, we love you. God bless you. We look forward to seeing you again this week. We've got a night of worship coming up. You don't want to miss our night of worship on Wednesday. God bless you. You're dismissed. <laughs>